Welcome to the Value Scripts Podcast, where we bring value every episode for the everyday person. Welcome back. Chapter 12, Five Love Languages, Loving the Unlovely. Yeah. This one's going to be a banger, guys. So, um, yeah. What page is that? Page 149. Dr. Chapman is asked a question that is a difficult one to answer. Said, Doctor Chapman, is it possible to love someone that you hate? Now, obviously, this is somebody that's talking about their spouse, and they're married to this person. And as we discussed in our last episode, uh, if you are in a relationship and not having your love language spoken in that relationship, a lot of times that can build resentment, and it can build, um, it can erode your self worth. And that brings more resentment and hurt feelings. And so how do you work through that? How do you continue to, you know, a lot of times when we feel slighted, we defend ourselves. And then so that begins the cycle of, of condemning each other and looking at, hey, well, you did this wrong. Well, you did this wrong. And you get this, you know, the, the marriage or the relationship emotional storm of, I'm wrong here. Well, I'm wrong too. So, you know, it just it goes back and forth and that kind of thing will destroy a relationship. What do you, what do you want to say to that, Meredith? Um. Uh, is it possible to love somebody you hate? And, and I think just for the sake of um, authenticity, you've probably asked yourself that same question. <laughs> yeah yeah um goodness i i honestly didn't get to the point where i hated you but i did get to the point where i just it was my feelings were starting to change because there was um rather than like i felt like we got to a point where i was investing and giving and trying really hard to make things better but um I, I felt like I was not getting anything back from you. And so there was a lot of resentment and it was getting bitter and angry and, and then questioning, okay, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I pouring all this effort in if he's going to continue to seek love outside of our marriage? And so I was like, how do you, how do you even heal your marriage if that's going on? Cause it really is not possible. Um, and, and I was worried that it wasn't going to turn around. And so it's kind of asking that question, well, how long, how long do you pour effort into this and um, continue to hurt, I guess? And, and, and anyway, um, it did get really, really, I think we just kind of got to that breaking point where it was like, we're either going to do this or we're just gonna have to call it um and for me um ultimately I did not want to get divorced and so I think that really like kept was the driving force and and I don't I don't I don't know how you necessarily felt when things were super bad if you kind of did want to get divorced but just weren't quite ready to pull the plug I don't I don't necessarily know how that felt for you but um but yeah it's 
it is possible to love someone even when you're so hurt. And, and ultimately it came down to what do I truly want? Like if I could have what I really want, like even after all that we've been through, ultimately what I wanted is I wanted us to come together again. I wanted us to be each other's perfect companion and to have a happy marriage. I didn't want to throw it all away. And, and I knew that it couldn't continue the way that it was, but I also felt like if you were committed to me and I was committed to, to you and to coming together that we could do it. And ultimately that is what I wanted. And so, and I, and I really feel like that comes out of love. So I think that's the first question you have to ask and really communicate to each other about is, what do we want? You know, what do we want out of this? If you're in a place that's so broken and, and you have all that resentment and hurt, you have to start there because even, even after we came together and decided, okay, we really want to like make our marriage work. It was still a roller coaster. You know, we had great days that we were like, okay, everything's great. And then we would have days where it just was hard. So that's that's kind of the reality of the whole thing. So it is possible to love somebody you hate. Yeah. How? Yeah. I guess. Um, well, so I think it comes down to like the foundation of your relationship. Like that's a tough question. I think well, I think as I say, I think part of the answer is in, in that question. Really, if if the person is asking, is it possible to love somebody you hate? They obviously don't. They obviously already, they do love them. They do have love for them and they really don't hate them. Right. But they hate how they feel. They hate yeah. the situation. They hate what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And because if you absolutely hated the person, you wouldn't ask myself, can I still fall back in love with this person? No, you would hate Right, them. you'd be like, peace <laughs> right. out. Right, so you, you <laughs> right. need to have, right. you know, the, the, the potential for love was still alive, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. in the nature of asking that question. One of the things that resonated um, on page 150 um, talking to a very close um, person of, of mine, not to, I don't want to give very details because um, I don't want to make the situation worse. But when we were um, going through some things and I opened up to uh, this person I'm really close to, um, he uh, said, basically asked the, the question that's asked at the bottom of page 150, you know, essentially he's like, look, um, I do want to go for counseling. I do want to work on my marriage. I, I do want things to get better. I am reading books on how to be a better husband and how to have a better relationship. And I am begging my wife to come with me every step of the way, but she refuses to go to counseling. She refuses to read these books. She refuses to even talk about these issues. It's like, what do I do? That is so hard. And he loved his wife. He's like, yeah. I can't just abandon my family. I can't just walk away from my wife. But she's not willing to put effort into what I need her to put effort into. And I am trying so hard to be the perfect husband. I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm, I try new things and I, I you know, try, like I, said, like I mentioned, he was reading the books. He was buying the flowers. He was trying to take her on dates. He was trying to get her to go to counseling so they could work on their issues together because he was just feeling like he was being suffocated. And, you know, he tells a story of, of, um, a lady that is in the same situation. She'd been open to learning and growing, um, begged her husband to go to counseling, pleaded for him to read a book, listen to a speaker on marriage. He refused all the efforts for growth. According to her, his attitude was, I don't have any problems. You are the one with the problems. In his mind, he was right and she was wrong. It was as simple as that, perhaps, or he really knew that he had issues that he just didn't want to work on. 
right? He didn't want to admit to himself, which, you know, part of that played in with me. I didn't want to really see the reality of the situation because it was emotionally uh, more than I wanted to be honest with myself that I was facing. And, but in, um, you know, he said her feelings of love for him had been killed through years of his constant criticism and condemnation. After 10 years of marriage, her emotional energy was depleted and her self-esteem almost destroyed. Was there hope for Anne's marriage? Could she love an unlovely husband? Would he ever respond in love to her? Well, I think, I think the answer to that is like, you really cannot have a sustainable marriage if there's one person that is like diving in and truly trying to make it better. And the other spouse is like, yeah, sorry, you've got all the problems. You need to go to counseling. You need, and just, just through interactions that we've had from past podcasts and friends that have reached out, like we know people personally that are experiencing just that where their spouse is like, you need to get help. You need to fix your issues and then everything's going to be fine. And let me just tell you that does not work. That just doesn't work ever. And, and, you know, maybe there is personal counseling that that person needs, but as a married couple, you can't, that just makes the other spouse feel abandoned and like, okay, that's your issue. You fix it. And as soon as you're better, then we're going to be fine. Well, marriage is not like that. Marriage is not your issues, your life, your, I mean, it's us. It's our life. It's our issues. It's our problems that we need to fix. And if you don't think about it that way, it's going to be really hard to be happy. Well, not only that, the law of the harvest, it's, you know, it's simple math. If I'm working or say you're working really hard on yourself and I'm not working on myself, you're going to grow. You're going to become a different human being. Mm -hmm. You're going to become more capable of feeling and exhibiting love and being ideal in situations and companionships and i will not have changed because i am not willing to work on myself and if you um are you know there's the you know scientific laws that you can't just stay the same either like that spouse that's saying hey this is your problem you work on it they're actually becoming a worse spouse because you don't just stay even keel in anything in life you don't just you know I'm a pediatric dentist at this level and I'm always going to be at this level. If I, even if I don't put any more effort into being a pediatric dentist, I'm going to stay at this level. It's impossible. You, if you don't put effort into being better, you're putting effort into being worse in everything you do in life, including a marriage. You know, if that person that's saying, Hey, this is all your issues, they're becoming a worse spouse by not willing to work on themselves and their mm-hmm. portion of that relationship too. You can't stay the same level as spouse without putting effort in to becoming better you actually get worse over time. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a really difficult situation. It's hard to have the perspective that you need if you're not willing to be humble and truly, truly look at your own self. Like truly, like, what can I do? What do I need to do to to grow, to be better, to to be the spouse that my that my companion wants to pour love into, right? Like, are you being that person that that you that you're asking for your spouse to be like, cause it, exactly. it really takes both. It that's, just, that's a really profound point. Are you, are you willing to be the person you're demanding or expecting your spouse to be right? You're telling them they need to go to counseling and work on themselves or, or if they're begging you to come with them and you're thinking, no, I'm fine. Well, they're telling you you're not fine. Right. <laughs> like right. The, the reason they're pleading with you is they love you enough to try to fix this and work this out. But if you're going to be stubborn enough to be like, well, I don't need to go or I'm not willing to work on it. What does that tell them? You really don't love them. Right. That's what it tells them. You love yourself and you love your issues 
that you're married to, your issues that you're married to, not your spouse you're married to. You love your issues more than you love your spouse. And you'd rather hang on to them than dig in whatever painfully it is that you need to cut those things out of your life. Whatever pain you got to go through, do that. You're not willing to do that because you don't love your spouse. That's what you're telling them. And it takes a lot of vulnerability to go to your spouse and say, hey, like, I think we need help. That's 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 a hard conversation. Yeah, you're already to have. almost emotionally emasculated by the time you go to right. them and say, "Hey, by the time you hey get look," there. and you're taking us like you said, like you're you're almost on hands and knees emotionally at that point, saying, "Please, please, right. we need help, please." Right. And, and, then, and and then you and get a big no, nah. right? And people need to know that 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 is coming from a place of like, "Hey, I love you. I want us to be happy. I want us to have a phenomenal marriage." Like. Why not? Why not take a chance that you could go and get some help and have things be better? Right. Like, why not? Like, I, I hate the stigma of, I don't know, the stigma of counseling, really. Like, it's, it's good and it's necessary. And especially if you have a spouse that's asking for that. Like, I wonder if part of that, though, the stigma of counseling is the reality of counseling. You know, it is mental health. Mental wellness, investing in your mental health and your mental wellness is stigmatized. Because, you, the, you know, it's thought of, if you have to invest in that, we have an issue. So in order to actually walk through the counselor's door, you have to admit, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? And that can be mm-hmm. very difficult. Mm-hmm. If, you know, it's a, it's a humiliating process you have to go through to do that. And, and it's a necessary humiliation that you need to do for yourself to humble yourself to the point where you're willing to walk in there and say, look, I don't know how we got here but i'm the problem i need to fix this i need help that's really hard to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really hard to do but when i made that choice it was harder to not make that choice than it was to make that choice at that time because i realized i was just about to lose everything and i was grateful for that you know and how to even answer um the question of uh, my my dear person that i was talking to when he was like, what do I do if my wife just won't, she won't come along? What do I do? I was like, well, you have to have boundaries. You know, you being unhappy and, un, and, and um, full of resentment and regret and having that energy in your home doesn't make your home better. You know, you staying in a relationship that's obviously, it's not. Fulfilling. Well, and, and he, there were a lot of fulfilling aspects of it, but it wasn't cohesive. You know, it wasn't, both companions weren't willing to do what it took. And you're modeling that for your kids too. Is that better? Is it better to model a broken relationship just so you don't get divorced? Right. You know, is it better to live 30 years of your life totally unhappy and miserable just so you don't get a divorce? And you, what are you teaching your children at that point? You know, are, are you teaching them, hey, just stick it out just because that's what we do. And he was like, well, I can't. He's like, I can't even entertain what you're saying. You know, I it's was an like, incredibly awful place to be. That is, that's really hard. It's just so hard. That's essentially where the, so their, this, this woman named Anne gets to in, in this chapter in um, page 151. It says, Anne was a deeply religious person. I was attended church regularly and, and really um, helped that, you know, with uh, the hope of Christ that they could save their marriage. And um, he quotes the Sermon on the Mount, Chapman does, um, as he says, I've always admired Luke's writing because he was a physician who gave attention to details and in the first century wrote an orderly account of the teachings and lifestyle of Jesus of Nazareth. 
In what many have called Jesus' greatest sermon, I read the following words, which I call love's greatest challenge. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinner love those who love them. Right? So, but I think it's, it's nuanced. You got to be careful how you interpret this. This is the interpretation of Lonnie again. <laughs> I'm, fa- I'm a fallible human and uh, my eyes are fallible currently. So we're putting the glasses on. But, you know, it says, do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, he's not saying be a doormat and let people walk all over you and treat you bad. It's not what he's saying. He was saying, be, be the bigger person in the room, right? And still, no matter, you know, how ugly other people treat you, don't be ugly back, you know? But he also says, do to others as you would have them do to you. So therefore, have boundaries. Do not let them hurt you, you know? Do not let them mistreat you. Do not let them disrespect you because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't, you need to act towards others the way that you would have them act towards you. So it's okay to have boundaries. Jesus Mm -hmm. says that himself. He doesn't say just be a doormat and let them hurt you. That's not what he says. He says still love them because that's the higher law. And that's love is important and that's how you get through that, right? But you can still have boundaries. And I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like that would be an important thing to highlight in this passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So good. I love too how it talks about doing an experiment. Like if you're in a place where your relationship is pretty, pretty broken and you're kind of walking that line of trying to figure out what to do, talk to your spouse and do an experiment. It's like for the, okay, for the next whatever month, like what would the ideal relationship look like for you? What could I do to show you that I want to be the best wife for you and try it? Like, and then at the end of that time, when you come together and you have a conversation of like, okay, I've been working hard to, to focus and to, to do what you need me to do. How did I do? You got to be really vulnerable with that because, and, and take it in as information and, and not as, you know, if you really didn't measure up to what you thought you were like, don't, don't internalize and like get upset, but really like try to take it in as information and then evaluate again. Okay. Like, what does this look like? Where are we? Are we still, are we still moving forward? Because being vulnerable and and having those honest and raw conversations is really hard, but it is also where you gain traction and are able to progress and work out of that hole that is so hard. So that's, you know, kind of what happens here. Um, he encourages Anne to do a six-month experiment with her husband. And that is how they're able to work through and go through that. But like you said, they, I mean, she... Gave herself a time period. I don't know if a month, depending on what what you need to work through. Yeah, I want to say, did they say six weeks? So this they did six anyway. months. Oh, six months. It's on page one fifty four. But it's but it's really good, and honestly, like it all comes down to like you and your spouse. What do you want? Ultimately, what do you want? Because let me tell you, it's going to be hard. It just is. It's going to be hard, and you have to be committed to that ultimate outcome. And you can get there if you're both willing to work at it. I think it's interesting. She was getting a lot of peer pressure from her friends too. They were saying, get out. Um, that'll never change. You know, you're simply prolonging the agony. She's like, but I just cannot bring myself to do that. Maybe I should, but I just can't believe that that's the right thing to do. And then um, her friends would say, it seems to us that you're torn between your religious and moral beliefs. 
that tell you it's wrong to get out of a marriage and your emotional pain, which tells you that you are getting out is the only way you can, is, is the only way to survive. Um, and, and Chapman said, that's exactly right. It's exactly the way I feel. I don't know what to do about it is how Anne responded. And so he was like, look, so he read the passage of, of, you know, from the sermon again from Jesus and said, does that sound like your husband? You know, does, does he seem like an enemy? Does he seem like somebody that despitefully uses you? Does he seem like somebody that um, does bad for you? Or does he treat you like a friend? And um, does he treat you like an enemy rather than a friend? And she says, uh, yes. And, um, and he asks, has he ever cursed you? And he said, many times. Has he ever mistreated you? And she says, often. And has he told you that he hates you? She says, yes. I mean, that's hardcore. It right. is. That's horrible. It's yeah, right? that's a horrible place to be in. Horrible place to be in. So the fact that he's saying it. Right. That's well. Well, and you know, looking back at my own actions, I wasn't verbally saying those things. Gotcha. But I was displaying behavior that would send the message. Yeah. Well, and and I felt like I could do no right. Like I like everything was criticized and i think it just got to the point where you were hurting so bad and were so like you weren't happy with yourself and you know being true to yourself and so that was all that you were projecting out um for a while yes time out for a second you're right (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what the six month experiment was because i don't think he was involved in there I think he was like, he wouldn't go to counseling. So he's like, okay, look, let's try something for six months and see if it works. And then if it doesn't, you know, basically that's your answer. And says, we can't go back. All we can do is try to make the future different. And well, so oh no. even though she oh, so, was. No, Chapman said this. We can't go back in. All we can do is try to make the future different. I'd like to propose a six month experiment. Yeah. So, so she goes to him and she's so hurt. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I want to love him. I want to respect him. I want to be close to him, but I don't have feelings for him anymore. And, and so that's when he said, I'd like to, to have an experiment where you do just that. Like you go to him and say, Hey, I want to be a better wife for you. I want to, you know, be the best that I can for you. And so I, I want to know what that looks like. And I'm really going to be intentional at trying to do that. And so she was in that place where her husband was not willing to go to counseling, right? Not willing to do all those things. And so that was the experiment. Okay, if you just move forward and tell him, okay, I'm giving this six months and, and I, I'm going to do my best to, to give you what you need, right? Wasn't that the experiment? So the, she, was, she did her best to be the perfect wife and yeah. to see if her husband would come around. Right. And yeah. how, did, how did she determine what she needed to do different to speak his love language? Says, I realize all this places all the initiative in your hands. Glenn is not trying to work on his this marriage. You are, but if you can channel your energies in the right direction, there is a good possibility that Glenn will eventually reciprocate. That's on page one fifty five. No, that's that's a heavy topic. That where when resentment has been building for so long, and love not being displayed correctly for so long, and you're in a committed relationship and you're married, and you're not wanting to be divorced, but you're also not wanting to continue to feel emotionally unloved and dead the rest of your marriage either. It's a very difficult place to be. 
And I think in order to give that topic as much detail as it needs to of describing how this woman works through this and the outcome that it has, I think we should continue this on another episode and really dive into it Mm -hmm. so that we can take the time that we need to to get in there. Because I think this is a topic that I've had asked me a lot, actually, um, by family members, friends, um, people on social media. And, you know, I think you've had as well, but essentially like, what do I do if my wife won't come along? Or what do I do? I mean, I, I get the husbands that I don't have the, the wives reaching out to me, probably for good reason. <laughs> what do I do if my husband will come along? <laughs> right? um, that's, that might be a trap, actually. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I, I think it's important that we cover this topic and, and at least give a couple solutions to, to you guys as to if you find yourself in that situation, what's tactical? What can be good? What can you use as, as, um, as hope? to inject hope back into your relationship and your marriage. And then how do you move forward? And then when do you know to, when do you know to stop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's time to wrap this brilliant episode of the value script. Don't forget to join us next time. We're going to fi- finish talking about what to do. If you are the spouse that is trying to work on your marriage and your partner will come along and how to get out of there. See you next time. Don't forget to click, click, like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you next time on The Value Screw.